That's not fair. That's not fair at all. There was time now. I believe you're going my way. My name is Talkie Tina. And you'd better be nice to me. Mr. Chambers, don't get on that ship. The rest of the book, to serve men, it, it's a cookbook. There's a man out there. What? Look, look, he's crawling on... Your caricatures, all of you, without your masks, your caricatures. Just that... Just that what? You wished them away into the cornfield. And Mommy and Daddy were real upset. About what? It's just that if, if you wish people away like that, uh, there won't be no one left. No moral, no message, no prophetic tract. Just a simple statement of fact. For civilization to survive, the human race has to remain civilized. Good morning, gut buckets, and welcome to the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. It lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area in which we call Big Orange Couch. The 1950 and 60s CBS podcast. My name's Joey. And I'm Andrew. Uh, And this is episode 175. We're talking our top twilight zone episodes the original series of course (laughs) yeah we should we should clarify there's a uh let's see there's an 80s series right yeah and then they tried it again in the early 2000s and then (laughs) we are i think on the fourth version right now jordan peele's uh version on cbs (laughs) um fair to say that we're going to talk about the 1959 to 1964 version yeah i think that's right (laughs) (laughs) you're not coming at me with any 80s picks (laughs) no i didn't go that far (laughs) good okay um and of course there's also been a movie kind of an infamous uh 1980s movie uh which um it adapted i think I think they're all adapted from the original except for one, right? Yeah, the yeah. first one. Yeah, the uh, Vic Mora, uh, yeah. Mora one. Yeah. Um, Twilight Zone ran from October 2nd, 1959 to June 19th, uh, 1964. So there's five seasons of the show. And um, I guess I should just say the reason uh, we, we posted a poll as to whether we were going to talk about Twilight Zone or The X-Files and Twilight Zone won, I wouldn't say handily, handily, but like, you know, it, it won. It was solid. Um, and uh, I think this is just like, if it's not 90s Nickelodeon, those are the two shows that I think we're most bonded over. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. This one, imp- I think, you know, I mean, I think we both love X-Files, but I also think this one has like a special place. For sure. Um, you know, it's... It's, uh, I don't know, it's like, especially this original series is just incredible 
um, storytelling wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, they, uh, <clears throat> in some ways, when you watch back, it feels like they were taking bigger uh, risks with what they were trying to say, right? Like yeah. the symbolism and the morality tales. It seemed like they were doing more than almost some modern TV is doing um, yeah. in, in a time period where it had to be, you know, we're living in a time period now where certainly there's neo-Nazis and, uh, you know, just pretty terrible people. And uh, I just imagine it was like times 10 then. Um, yeah. So I feel like uh, the creator of the show, Rod Serling, was really, you know, he always downplayed it. Like um, there's some interviews when you listen to him where he's downplaying kind of how how much they were really going for it. But I wonder if he just kind of had to do that to uh, keep the network calm. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, it's like a more literary approach, it feels like, to the stories than what is on TV today, I guess. It seems like TV's written sort of for TV most of the times now. But back then, like, especially with this show, it felt, it seems like um, it was just, like, nothing had been done like this before. Um, so it's almost like, it feels like it was closer to uh, film or, it feels like better than a lot of other TV from that yeah. era. You know? Oh, um, oh, yeah. So it's like shot. it's very weird, like how good it is, um, and how well it's held up over time. Um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah w- way at way ahead of the curve. Like it feels ahead of the curve now. So it must have just really been, you know, I I, I know yeah. it, str- it struggled with ratings uh, during its original run, but for the people who caught it and appreciated, it, they must have just, you know, it must have had that oh, niche man. crowd of people who were like, wow, like yeah. something for me. <laughs> and it's not like howdy doody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can just imagine being like a kid at that time, um, having gotten into that. Uh, and like, as you said, like if you were into that, you kind of had probably particular tastes. And like when this ended, must've been pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, do you go to? <laughs> especially when back then it sounds like the rerun uh, market wasn't mm, very big. Yeah. You know, you, you you pretty much had to catch these on their original airing. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is so frustrating to think about now, but back then it was just the norm. Yeah. Um, but just like thinking about um, this being over and then you having no way to even see yeah. these episodes again oh man yeah, yeah what no Oops. no sci-fi new year's eve marathon what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah the word you use literary i think that's an interesting one because when i was making my list i would stop and think about some of these episodes and be like man this episode is just all talking it's just people talking <laughs> to each other there's, yeah. there's not like a lot that's going on really but it's still somehow so uh they all just have their own unique vibe and yeah. they're all so well told. They're, I mean, the right, the fact that someone can just talk for 24 minutes and it be creepy. Yeah. I don't know. It, it really speaks to the writing. Yeah. It's really impressive. Um, maybe part of this was the limitations at the time, um, like with effects and I mean, pretty much all practical ways compared to now. Um, yeah. I feel like that kind of shows itself um like in that uh people kind of use like 
the ability to do more now sometimes um mm-hmm. as an excuse to like not push uh the limit of like what what they're doing um, Definitely. But, but this show it just feels like man like the people working on it must have been committed to making it as good as they could with what they had right um, right and without going now i feel like you could really air like the modern uh, jordan peele twilight zones there's yeah. you know f words and all you know swearing and it, it can be pretty gory yeah. um and really the network isn't going to say boo because it's just on the streaming it's the cbs all yeah. access so I feel like the fact that these are so good and knowing that Serling and the crew had to kind of probably toe a line. Um, yeah. Right. I, I read, I read somewhere about um, I think Serling said when uh, he's alive, which is a uh, mm-hmm. fourth season episode when that aired, they got something like 4,000 letters at the network from pretty much like still existing Nazis of like, <laughs> screw you guys, you know, cause it's a pretty anti uh, you know, fascist yeah. episode. Um so the fact that they were able to kind of pull off these morality tales, probably while pretending that, no, 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 we're just like, you know, it's just supposed to be spooky or weird. Yeah. Um, it really speaks to it. For sure. Um, I was wondering, what, like, what is your f- first memory? Like, do you remember the first episode or, like, the first time that it knocked you out? Um, you know, I don't remember specifically the first episode, I'll, I'll just walk you through like what, how I got introduced to this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I must've been in elementary school and I remember watching, it had to have been one of the early marathons on sci-fi and my mom like knew about the show and kind of just got me hooked into it through that marathon. And uh, I just remember like, watching those episodes of like one after another feeling like what was that when when i finished the episode i'm like blown away <laughs> by every single story pretty much like this is incredible um, the, the neurons in your brain were just like <laughs> firing rapidly like yes. your brain was changing <laughs> yes um and then i um got i ended up getting a tape like videotapes set with like four episodes on it and it was uh i have to be i have the beholders on that one um and i remember the first time i saw that was like pretty uh blown away by it yeah yeah um man yeah i just just those first like experiences with seeing the episodes for the first time in particular just felt like man it, it was honestly like liberating in some uh mental way that like, yeah. I didn't know that I even <laughs> needed <laughs> that stories could be told like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're younger, you know, there, there certainly have been TV that we are probably at that age missing, you know, twin peaks and yeah. stuff that kind of bended uh, genre. But um, yeah, it, it, the same thing. Like my first, ex- those first few episodes, right? If you're lucky enough at a young enough age to catch them, they really can just kind of like knock you off your feet. Yeah. Um, I remember <clears throat> one of the definitive first times I remember watching was in my sixth grade language arts class. Our teacher showed us um, Odyssey of Flight 33, mm. which is not, it's not going to make my top 10, but um, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's an, 
Yeah, but you know, like for uh, an eleven-year-old, you know, so yeah. in a plane, a plane going back in time where you see dinosaurs, and it felt oh, yeah. kind of exciting. And um, I love the episode. I'm just yeah, no, no, there's nothing wrong with yeah. it. Uh, it's not. A, I wouldn't say it's a. Well, I don't know if it's a classic, but it's 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 like a middle ground. I feel like but, yeah, but I do have like a soft spot for it, kind of um, yeah something it's it's a charming enough story that it kind of piqued my interest but then you know same thing even in the 90s there's just no quick access i can't pull up youtube and search more yeah. or, or so i feel like the next time i i want to say you i don't know if it was on your tape or i don't know how you exposed me to it but the episode probe 7 over and out mm. um somehow you told me to watch it and i found it and it, the, the, the ending of that episode. Now I kind of laugh. Cause it's like, oh yeah. Like, you know, there's so many clues within the episode, but then I was totally floored. I couldn't believe <laughs> the twist to that episode. Yeah. And uh, I think at that point is when either you bought some of the DVDs, someone bought them. And I feel like it was just like a kind a kind of commonly borrowed, like, Hey, can I borrow some yeah. of your uh, twilight zone stuff? Um, and it became kind of like junk food just of like, Oh, I need, I need to watch some twilight zone right now. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's another great episode. Um, and, uh, that's, that's one for me too. Like, I remember seeing that one. I, I might've even like seen it in the background when I was younger or something, but at some point I caught it when I was like old enough to just sit with the episode and follow it, the whole thing. And, yeah. um, it was like a, one of those mind bending endings. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's been no looking back from there. I think, uh, yeah. you know, until the definitive box set came out, we were both kind of, uh, sci-fi July 4th and new year's Eve. Like, you know, we'd be yeah. texting each other, like, don't forget, <laughs> uh, like literally, uh, yeah. and then, um, and then a, there is a very nice box set now. I think a Blu-ray set too, right? Yeah. Um, I, amazing yeah um, i don't have the blu-ray set but um i don't know just uh we i know and for people listening thank you i know we're a 90s nickelodeon podcast <laughs> but uh you know it's fun to also be able to express other things we enjoy and twilight zone is definitely one of those things that we both very much enjoy yeah. so uh i think it'll be fun I, 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 oh, yeah. I expect we'll have some ones in common and i definitely <laughs> expect we'll have um some ones that are different yeah um, so do you want to get into your top 10? Yeah, let's do it. Um, well, my number 10, I think is like a pretty, I, I didn't, I didn't like approach this list by like picking the necessarily like the most iconic episodes, but just more yeah. like the things that the ones that just like hit me on multiple levels, I guess. Um, but you, but you didn't purposely, did you purposely avoid the iconic ones? No. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I just didn't, like, go straight for them and right, fill right. my whole list with them. Um, but my number ten is To Serve Man. Respectfully submitted for your perusal, a canimate. Height a little over nine feet. Weight in the neighborhood of 350 pounds. Origin unknown. Motives? Therein hangs the tale. For in just a moment, we're going to ask you to shake hands figuratively with a Christopher Columbus from another galaxy and another time. This is the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, um, 
Alien episode. I think for me, probably the definitive Alien episode of the series. Mm. Oh yeah, I'd have I'd have to think on that. Yeah, are are we um are can I'll just, I I'll just are we spoiling? <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just give a quick like synopsis and just maybe say like the ending is okay, like, okay, pretty okay. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, basically, the episode is like aliens come to Earth and offer this uh, utopia for humans um, on their home planet, and uh, this is a pretty um, famous episode. It has a very uh, memorable ending. Um, but, uh, besides that though, there's something about this episode that like, I like the feel of it. Like, it's hard to describe. It's like, um, it's almost noir ish, Mm -hmm. uh, with the main guy, like, um, trying to solve the puzzle. They find this book, um, from these visiting aliens and they're trying to, uh, translate it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just man it has a great feel to it i don't know um, if it, it, it feels almost more like a i always it always, what you said is true it always struck me kind of tonally almost different than most twilight zones it almost plays like um a film from the 60s yeah. you know like a kind of a b uh you know a b level kind of hor- uh horror sci-fi yeah. movie yeah um but I, I also love uh, the look of the makeup in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks like it's half hilarious and half really creepy, I think. Um, and at, at the time, it was probably all creepy. Um, yeah. But uh, Richard Keel, I think, is his name. Um, the guy who plays the Canimate, the alien. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's in a he's bunch also, of stuff. Yeah, he's the guy... Um, in Jaws, in uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever you call it, James Bond, yeah. Um, so I, I, this is one of those episodes that like uh, was definitely a big one for me uh, as a kid. Like I loved this. So, so first time I saw it, I was just like, you know, this was one of those incredible episodes. Um, I just think that it has like the kind of all the classic trappings of a great twilight zone episode and for me is maybe as i'm looking over my list i'm thinking it's maybe the like um my top uh like monster effect episode hmm so it's your top alien and top monster i mean i just realized that like you know, I think of Twilight Zone, like, I think of monsters a lot, kind of, in my head, but mm-hmm. I realize there's not really a whole lot of episodes that feature, no. like, a actual creature, you know? Yeah, not a lot of straight-up monsters. There's a lot of aliens, and some of them yeah, are pretty yeah. funny-looking. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say this episode's not my top ten. I'm mm. actually not even sure it would be in my top twenty or thirty. Wow. Um, Jeez. <laughs> We should. I should say there's over 150. Um, these are big seasons. Yeah. You know, yeah. they used to have huge over 30 episodes a season. Um, so there is a ton of episodes to pick from. Yeah. This is. Uh, I would still say it's like top tier, but it's just never an episode that it, it just moved. The way it moved was a little like slow for my liking, which I guess is mm. laughable considering what you're about to find out. My number ten is. <laughs> um, but. but 
uh, I do love the ending, right? It's like one of the most classic yeah. Twilight Zone endings. Um, are, are we not spoiling? Is this a, a spoiler-free episode? I guess to the extent that we can avoid it. Okay. Okay. Like. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty classic uh, ending to the point where, like, the phrase that is the twist is, like, uh, yeah. I- iconic in television yeah. history. <laughs> um, I-, I also want to do, men- I want to mention, in case anybody's like, huh, like, I want to check some of these out. Twilight Zone's like one of the most available episodes to stream, uh, shows to stream. It's on Netflix, it's on Hulu, it's on CBS, it's on Amazon. I think it's on Amazon, uh, but it's definitely on Netflix and Hulu. Um, except for sometimes season four is cut. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which yeah. is uh, the, the unique thing I should guess we should say about season four is that those are an hour long episodes. They, they changed the mm-hmm. format just for that season. Uh, and so I don't know that season gets a hard time. Yeah. And I think rightly so for the most part. Yeah. Um, not the best, not the best, but um, okay. To serve man. So yeah, it won't come up again, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you, know, you know, I'll, I'll play, I'll place it at 41. That's right. Okay. okay. Jeez. <laughs> um, just one last thing about that. Um, I like the voiceover in this episode. It's unusual. Uh, yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. aliens voice. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, also the voiceover of the guy, like he's oh, voice, I'm sorry, like explaining yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very strange that I'm not sure there's any other episode that has a voiceover like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure either. No, maybe the Howling Man. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Nice. Um. Okay. All right. Well, my number ten um <laughs> is probably your forty-one. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, season three, episode nineteen. Uh, it's an episode called "The Hunt." Now you be careful, old man. Well, don't you worry about me, old woman. I'll be back even for midnight, more than likely. Usually these evenings end with one tired old man, one battle-scarred hound dog, and one or more extremely dead raccoons. But as you may suspect, that will not be the case tonight. These hunters won't be coming home from the hill. They're headed for the backwoods of the Twilight Zone. Mm. Yeah, Um, nice it's a I don't think it's a very beloved episode I think it's kind of considered middling Twilight Zone Um, but it's a very sweet episode it's kind of like a backwoods Twilight Zone and I'm a real sucker for the backwoods Twilight Zones Um, maybe like with the exception of like come wander with me but um, (laughs) it's you know the the description here is upon returning from a coon hunt Hyder Simpson uh, discovers that no one can see or hear him because he is passed on. Um, and that's not too big of a giveaway because that happens within, I think, what, like seven minutes of the episode. Yeah. Um, but there's more to it. Um, and he uh, he's looking for his dog, Rip, uh, which is, that's a little clue there for what's happening. Um, the uh, The episode is... Yeah, it's just real tender. I mean, the, the the bottom line is really it's like a man and his love for his dog. And as a man who loves his dog deeply, uh, this episode is resonant. And um, I actually think the ending, even though it's not like, you know, I think 10 minutes in, you could probably kind of see where it's headed. But the ending still gives like a little bit of a twist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, without no, giving definitely. anything away. Yeah. There, sure. It's like a twist upon a twist. 
And yeah. it's, you know, I think some people would call it kind of um, corny, but uh, it always kind of hit me right. Yeah. I think um, sentimental is uh, how I think yeah. of this episode. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Uh, I, I really enjoy the episodes of Twilight Zone in which they um, explore death in some way. Like... They usually do it in like a really interesting way. Um, yeah, like this is one like of a, those. yeah, like a graceful way. You know, rather yeah. than like hitting you over the yes. head with it, they kind of treat death seriously and yeah. uh, not not like a. You know, I think of also um, uh, nothing in the dark, right? Like yeah. a woman who's afraid to pass on, it, and it's done rather than being like ooh spooky. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just mention this just because I don't think you'll mention it is um, another one that just popped into my mind was um, one for the angels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, it's just like, <laughs> it's one of the, there's certain episodes that have that similar feel to it. I feel like. Um, yeah. And I, I like that, that weird, like it's like a lighthearted city feel almost. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, well, let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, my ni- number nine is uh, another classic, uh, Time Enough at Last. Oh, boy, is it? Books! Books! All the books I'll need! All the books! All the books I'll ever want! Shelley, Shakespeare, Shaw! Ah, this time enough at last. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Burgess Meredith, which I wanted to, uh, to represent at least on the list. Um, yeah, he'll come and... up again. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, kind of uh, I don't know what the word for him is, but he's like um, he works at a bank and he just all he wants to do is read. Um, but everybody in his life is kind of getting in the way of that and um, it kind of derides him for wanting that. Um, until the world ends and then he has all the time in the world potentially to read um this is uh man this is just one of the episodes that i feel like is like synonymous with the series it's uh just it's got a um kind of a twist i mean it's got a twist ending but it's not like (laughs) as i was thinking about this list i realized the ending is not like um a real twist you know it's like uh, no, no it's more cruel irony um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's 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 more of a um a pessimistic episode of yes. like uh you know just nothing's gonna go right for this guy yeah um and i like that uh i like when twilight zone does that um yeah and that they do like all that they do downer episodes and uppers you know, it's not like I feel like almost uh, evenly, um, yeah. but uh, I love how this episode plays out. I love the character. Um, I feel like I can really empathize with him um, in wanting this like time, this like freedom um, and not being able to get it. And uh, there's just so many good things about this episode. It looks amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and there's like a there's a part where his wife uh, has um, scribbled in his book, scribbled all the pages out, 
Um, and it's a weird, like, close-up shot that Twilight Zone sometimes do- does that looks really cool. I don't know. Something about it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just... It's like an end-of-the-world episode, basically. Uh, and it's just done in this... It's like a serious downer way, but you don't really feel bad from it somehow. No. Um, you I don't? mean, you feel you feel <laughs> bad about what happens, but like yeah. during throughout the episode, I guess I don't feel like uh, depressed watching it. I no, I don't. I mean, I feel bad for him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a it's a cruel fate time type of episode. Um, yeah. I don't know if it makes me feel good, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a heck of an episode. Um, it is. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I, it's not on my list. Um, hmm. I know it's a pretty beloved episode. And I, I, you know, you mentioned um, it looking great. I think probably I, I would say the, maybe the best like set piece out of any, hmm. Uh, Twilight Zone is really that ending there. Um, yeah. The, uh, the kind of big landscape in the steps. Yeah. Um, and I would say that this is probably the most parodied episode of the Twilight Zone, right? It yeah, shows probably. up pretty. It shows up on pretty much like every pop cultural show, Simpsons and Family Guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, if you don't know the ending of this one, you know, it's time to check out Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Burgess Meredith is a big part of what's so great about this one. Um, he's just so good at, I mean, he's just so good in general. He's in a bunch of the, or a few Twilight Zone episodes. Um, and he just like, is he just feels like the character. Yes. Yeah. He's, he shows up a bunch on uh, Twilight Zone and he's always, you know, even in a lesser episode, he kind of just saves it. Because uh, he's yeah, just so good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, I would say that would probably be somewhere between fifteen and twenty for me, somewhere, somewhere in that mm, range. Okay, <laughs> good, good estimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my number nine is the one I played around with the most, mm. meaning uh, didn't like number. The hunt was always going to be on my list, but I just couldn't like I couldn't justify it being higher than ten. I think, mm. but number nine was the one that was like my close call. I guess I would say. Um, and that would be uh, season two, episode twenty-six, Shadow Play. Shadow Play is the episode where Adam Grant is trapped in a reoccurring nightmare, in which he is sentenced to death by execution. He tries to convince the people around him that they are imaginary and that they will cease to exist if the execution is carried out. Um, okay. Um, do you know? Do you know this episode? <laughs> I know it. I. Okay. It didn't immediately come to me by name, which yeah. kind of says a little bit about how I feel about it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it's definitely not on my list. I'm pretty shocked that it's on yours. Like, it would be. I, I, I think you should go back and watch it. <laughs> oh, no. You got to go back and watch it. You know what? I, <laughs> I have seen it not that long ago, like within oh, okay, the last okay. one or two um, marathons. Okay. Um, okay. And I just. You know, uh, well, you know, go ahead. You can make its case. You no, know, I, I, I just think it's like a really, um, it's uh, like a slow burn episode. The uh, guy who plays Adam Grant, he's so good. And, uh, you know, it's a man who's just been, I, I love, it's Groundhog Day before Groundhog Day. This man who just keeps reliving his execution day. 
and I'm a huge sucker for that premise, right? I loved uh, Palm Springs came out. Did you catch that movie? No. Good. Oh man, it's great. Yeah, oh. it's really it's really fun. Okay. Um, but I love you know I love the repeating day premise, and um, in this case, right, it's like the n- most nightmarish version of a guy getting sentenced to death and having to face that execution, and nobody yeah. believing that um, you know that this is just bound to happen over and over. Um, you know, we see little bursts of him trying to kind of just act out because he knows nothing matters. But um, I, I, you know, my my pitch on it would be that it's Groundhog Day in the Twilight Zone. So it's it's uh, I think it's a really more and even more than anything, it's just like a really artfully done episode. Like the there's um, I know it's called Shadow Play, but like there's really dark shadows within the prison and uh the way the courtroom shot it's just it's like a very classy twilight zone um i really like you know it. i uh like the i like the idea a lot um mm-hmm. and like the concept of him uh not only reliving this but like the people changing around each time yes like yeah you know that's weird um like the concept's very interesting uh I just don't love like being with this episode. If that makes sense, like it's a it's a pretty it's like a it's not a it's not a light episode or or a fun no. episode. <laughs> no, um, I I yeah, I just don't have a real strong connection to it. I know I've seen it a few times. It's just one of those ones that for me kind of like just slips by like i'm watching it but it just doesn't hit me real hard well i'll I'll, uh when we get there i'll I'll let you know what episode was like kind of switching in and out of the spot yeah um if you had to out of the 150 plus episodes where where would you uh, shadow play (laughs) i mean honestly it would probably be in the bottom 50 what oh wow Uh, okay Okay. i mean (laughs) you know i i actually when we were uh when i was prepping for this i wrote down all the episodes that like immediately hit me as either great or bad um and this one did not make my bad list so okay all right it was just no you know it wasn't that low no man's land yeah yeah all right. Well, uh, what's your eight? Um, yeah, my number eight is actually this is <laughs> maybe it was uh, mis um, mischaracterizing my list because my number eight's another kind of classic. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Your wife's been doing a little talking, Steve, about some of the odd things you've been doing. Go ahead. What's my wife said? Let's get it all out. Let's pick out every idiosyncrasy of every man, woman, and child on this whole street. You're all set to find a scapegoat. You're all desperate to point some kind of a finger at a neighbor. My God, this is the greatest hits. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, it's not it's not one that's like as iconic as uh, Time Enough at Last or to Serve Man. But it's uh, it's a pretty famous episode. Yeah. Um, uh, Basically, a town starts freaking out as they think aliens are controlling all their um appliances and stuff um and they start kind of getting at each other's throats um and there's a there's a there's a twist ending um and i think it's 
really good. Like, a part of the twist ending is really good. Like, the actual twist part, I guess. Without ruining um, it. Yeah, there's, there's like, two aha moments. Yeah. And uh, I'd say the second aha moment's yeah. better than the first. Yeah. 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 Um, but this is an episode that I just love how it looks. Like, I love being outside. I think it's kind of unusual for Twilight Zone for yeah. an entire episode to be spent outside. And it's like, I guess it's a set, but it's these people running around this small neighborhood, basically, from house to house, kind of like blaming each other for what's going on. Yeah. Um, and a big draw to this episode for me is all the actors in it. They're just like so over the top kind of, but like really convincing. Um, that I just believe what's happening in this episode. And like some of the dialogue is sort of ridiculous, but it's in the greatest way to me, I guess. <laughs> um, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of those super aesthetically pleasing episodes to me that I love to watch no matter how many times I've seen it. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a classic. Um, it's kind of the, I'd say it's the definitive, maybe, uh, there's a lot of good ones, but it's a pretty definitive, like mob mentality type episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, of just like people who are neighbors, um, turning on each other. Yes. But uh, it's not my top 10. Um, It's uh, a very good episode, maybe in the 20s for me. Hmm. But um, there is there is an episode in this vein that I like a little bit more that I'll be talking about. And like, I always kind of put these two against each other. um, And uh, I always prefer the other. So uh, I think I know what you're talking about. And <laughs> we'll see. From my perspective, Monsters <laughs> is a just a superior episode. Um, I do. We'll I find do. Out. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. I do. I do like that it's outside. Uh, oh no! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll cut that. Um, there is something in this episode that I think is kind of dumb looking. Um, mm. That kind of like t- sucks a little yeah, wind out sure. of it. Sure. Um, but it's a good uh, episode. It is a very, it, it's, yeah. it's top tier. I mean, the ending's like even a little, um, like it almost doesn't fit, but it, it does, but it's like very close. It's like on the line of being too ridiculous. Um, but God, I love how that, just to um, mention one scene that looks amazing in this one is, I think it's the kid like watering the lawn. And oh, yeah, you see yeah. the um, see lights flashing at them, like yeah. from the air. Um, it just looks really cool. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think this is an episode that's like a pleasure to get through. Also, it feels really long and like really well paced for a half hour episode. Really long? Yeah, like it seems like well, long in the sense that it seems like a lot hat transpires throughout it oh i see yeah yeah yeah. like by the time you get to the episode it feels like you've been there all day kind of (laughs) yeah and it does it does transition from like a bright sky to nighttime by the end yeah that's yeah and it's pretty drastic the the switch tonight yeah Yeah. it's cool it's cool (laughs) all right well uh glad it came up um it's it's definitely a classic uh, my number eight, I think, is also kind of close to the class. It's my first uh, one that maybe people would know, uh, which is in uh, season two, episode 28. 
uh, that is uh, an episode called Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? No question about it. Something left that pond and went over to the diner. Looks like a bus in front of that diner. You don't suppose it came out of that pond, do you? Very funny. Sorry. Let's leave the car and follow these tracks. I want to be sure they lead to the diner. Wintry February night, the present. Order of events, a phone call from a frightened woman, notating the arrival of an unidentified flying object. Then the checkout you just witnessed with two state troopers verifying the event, but with nothing more enlightening to add beyond evidence of some tracks leading across the highway to a diner. You've heard of trying to find a needle in a haystack? Well, stay with us now, and you'll be part of an investigating team whose mission is not to find that proverbial needle. No, their task is even harder. They've got to find a Martian in a diner. And in just a moment, you'll search with them because you've just landed in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, This is following a frantic phone call about a crashed spaceship. Two policemen try to determine who among the passengers of a... Uh, bus at a snowed-in roadside diner is from another world. So pretty much, a bus breaks down. Uh, all these people get gather in a diner, but someone is in the diner that doesn't belong. Um, and it's yeah. just—it's just kind of one of those. Um, you know, I just love those kind of mysteries where everybody's trapped in a room, and yeah. you need—you need to figure out who it is. And this does it in a every every character is really fun. Um, I mean most of all the kind of old kooky old man yeah. um, but everybody in the establishment is uh, you know you could see why there's suspicion and uh, within 28 minutes it does it uh, it's just a really tight episode and the twist is a classic twist and, uh, and something I didn't see coming the first time so um, yeah I rewatched it maybe five months ago and I mm. you know Big, I think a big part of these like top tier episodes is that you know you could just watch it over and over, no matter what the twist is, you know. Because yeah. I find some episodes where it's like the twist is cool, but nothing about the else about the episode is like very rewatchable. Yeah. Um, but this one feels like you know you're just in good company, like you're you're happy to hang out at the diner. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, this didn't make my top ten, but I would say it would be in my top twenty. Okay. Uh, very close um yeah it's a great episode i love how it looks this is another one that just like looks amazing uh for me this feels probably because it's snowing out feels like a real um uh new year's episode yeah yeah um and uh it is the characters are great uh the interactions between them are great um like everything man this is one of those episodes that like uh, is really impressive that they filled it, filled the whole thing and made it interesting. Like the yeah. entire thing happens mostly in the diner and yeah. it's great. Like it's fun to watch again and again. Um, this also is one of my favorite uh, Rod Serling um, intros, <laughs> just the way that he appears in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like the guys are, the policemen are walking outside toward the diner 
and the camera kind of like pans onto the other side of this boulder and rod like <laughs> steps out of the shadow of it um, <laughs> it's just so good yeah that's another part of the twilight zone of just the rod serling intros of having to concoct some way to get yeah. rod into the scene <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes they really shoehorn him in and sometimes you could tell they're just like oh like who gives like just like yeah. <laughs> he'll just be uh, behind this boulder yeah um, um yeah I just want to add that um, I think this is like one of the twists that I don't think is like a mind blowing story twist. Exactly. It's just no. like, it's like, it's almost a parody twist. It, um, yeah. It almost feels like it's <laughs> laughing at itself. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's like, <laughs> if you thought that was stupid, wait till the next twist. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's winking at you. Yeah, 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 and it I does did, feel like kind of in on the joke. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see that there. The uh, I saw some trivia saying the original two titles were first "Night of the Big Rain," and then mm-hmm. "Nobody Here But Us Martians." Uh, but they they settled on "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up," which uh, some years later Eminem adapted for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think they picked the right choice. Of those yeah, options. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Um, number seven? Uh, yeah, my number seven. This is the first um, repeat, I think, so far. Uh, the Hunt. Rip, we must have taken the wrong turn. I don't memorize ever seeing this fence before. Well, we're bound to come out somewhere. Season oh, cool. Three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I love this episode. Um, you know, we talked about it a little, but I just, uh, I agree about the, like the backwoods episodes. There's something about that that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because like shows now don't really do that. You know, like it almost maybe doesn't even exist anymore, quite the same as it did here. Right. Um, but uh, man, everything about this episode. I love how it looks. It's like, uh, it's just sunny. Um, and like, I don't, they're just outside, but it looks great. Um, I love the main characters. The old coot guy is great. Um, and just the idea of him coon hunting in the back, <laughs> uh, yeah. woods, whatever. Yeah. It's just like yeah. a, like something that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and his wife is great. Like, I, I feel like they really connect in this episode. Like, it just feels yeah. like they're a real old couple that have been living out in the woods forever, you know? For sure, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just how, like, they deal with death in this is so... Um, it's just so, like, such a masterful touch, I guess, uh, the way they do this. Um, right. Him going into the afterlife like this and... Uh, yeah because they even i i love that they don't treat the afterlife as um going to heaven or hell but his his afterlife is still in the back country yeah i mean like his afterlife is where he lived yeah he wakes up right where he died yeah yeah um uh man and i this is one of those episodes that has like some of that i assume stock music but they're 
masters i feel like uh of using stock music on twilight zone yes um, yeah and, and this is one of those episodes that I, the music is perfect for it it feels like you're out here in these backwoods like some long time ago you know yeah um man this episode just it, it's definitely one of the more underrated episodes i think um just has a great feel yeah, I'm a, I'm agreed. I'm, I'm also, uh, I feel very strong in saying that, and there are a lot of um, Twilight Zone rankings out there. If you search Twilight Zone ranked, or I even looked up like podcasts to maybe listen to some people, and there's just mm-hmm. hundreds of people do this all the time. Uh, and I would, I'd feel certain that we are the only <laughs> Twilight Zone ranked list where the hunt is in both of our top tens. <laughs> Um, um, so that either says something about us or that uh, everybody else is wrong i don't know you know <laughs> I, yeah, yeah maybe both um <laughs> i i just like can't imagine sitting down and watching this and not being affected by it in some way yeah you know? yeah um as I, as i said if you're a dog lover and you've never seen the twilight zone episode the hunt it's uh i think it's one of the greatest uh dog man stories ever <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I also read something saying the guy who played uh, Old Man Simpson, he he supposed he says he's seventy in the episode, but the guy playing was actually only fifty. Wow! I mean, that crazy. seems impossible. Yeah. <laughs> um, unless he was living a really hard yeah. life. Yeah, lived a hard, hard life. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's. I think this episode is also kind of a slow burn in a way. Like it's wandering. Like it feels like you're wandering with the main guy hmm. you know like um at that pace like you're walking down the road with him um, yeah yes oh, man yeah. just really well done totally uh well great um yeah. my number my number seven i think is i don't know if I, it's i wouldn't call it a classic twilight zone but i think it's a well-respected twilight okay. zone uh it's uh season two episode 29 it's another burgess meredith that's the obsolete man You walk into this room at your own risk, because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind in the Twilight Zone. Ah. Um, and actually, this and Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up aired consecutively. So, wow. um, kind of strange. But in this episode, it's a future uh, totalitarian society. Uh, and a librarian is declared obsolete and sentenced to death. Um, and so, I mean, it's I think it's almost like one of the higher concept Twilight Zones. Like, there's a lot kind of going yeah. on that you immediately have to reckon with. It's, it's clearly the future. Um, it's, it's a society that has now deemed, you know, some people necessary and some people obsolete. 
and those who are obsolete are faced with death. Um, and, you know, you pretty much have to stand in front of this, like, um, governmental chamber where they judge you. And uh, Burgess, just kind of like, <laughs> just kind of like um, Time Enough at Last, is a literary lover. He's an, a book lover mm-hmm. yet again. Um, and uh, he is willing to defend uh, the necessity of literature and why it's needed. Um, and it really escalates. Like the first half of the episode and the second half are two different episodes. Um, I love the first half a little bit more of him like pleading his case and watching mm-hmm. how this society kind of works. Um, but also it like, like I said, kind of like, it, it's almost like a Christopher Nolan movie. It like ratchets up to this kind of crazy, <laughs> like, um, okay, well, if you're going to take me out, like I'm, you know, stuff's going to go down here. Yeah. Um, so I, I always thought it saw it as kind of like uh, ahead of its time. It definitely has, um, I think it's really relevant to 2020 and, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's a, I, Meredith again is just brilliant in this episode, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another incredible performance by him. Um, and I think, and this is an episode that like requires it. Yeah. Um, this, it, it is a great one. Uh, it didn't make my top 10. It'd probably be in my t- within my top 30 or 40, maybe. Um, okay. I mean, I think it's a great episode. Uh, it's a little, it's a great example of, how um how like mean twilight zone can kind of be at times but not like not not unrealistically so i guess like this feels like it really represents a particular reality um and that it very easily could become you know any of our realities um uh yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those episodes that I feel like it was really necessary and like what it's saying is very important and it does it in a really good way. That's like the hardest part, I think, of something like this. It's like doing this type of story so effectively where it doesn't feel like heavy handed or um, or, you know, lack in any other way. It just like yeah. feels very real. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very good one. Uh, yeah. One that I, I mean, I guess I haven't looked at a lot of top lists uh, recently, but um, it's one that I feel like I don't see mentioned casually. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I, yeah, I think like people who like Twilight Zone like it. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not going to be uh, some of this, like some of the stuff we've mentioned. Yeah. 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 It's a great one. Tough one. Yeah. Number six. Oh man, my number six. I know you like this episode. I don't know if it's on your list, but um, The Midnight Sun, season yeah. three, episode 10. One month ago, the Earth suddenly changed its elliptical orbit, and in doing so, began to follow a path which gradually, moment by moment, took it closer to the sun. The time is five minutes to 12, midnight. There is no more darkness. This is the eve of the end. Because even at midnight, it's high noon, the hottest day in history. And you're about to spend it in the twilight zone. Um, I, I do. Uh, I do have an affection for this episode. Believe it or not, it didn't make my my top. Wow. Yeah. I it. I I as I was picking episodes, I could see almost leaving it off, but it has had such an effect on me, and it's maybe my favorite summer 
like ish episode um basically like these uh this woman and her next door neighbor like older woman are living in this apartment building as the sun as the earth is hurtling toward the sun and so it's getting hotter progressively hotter and it's at the point where the sun never goes down and uh they're just trying to figure out what to do basically basically they're doomed and they're (laughs) trying to figure out how to keep living um you know until they can't anymore um and uh man this is an episode that has a very distinct look and feel to it that i love it's just like it feels hot like you're there with them sweating with them they're always wet um it's just man everything about this episode feels hot yeah Uh, and it's just this amazing to me kind of like exploration of um like the human um will to try to keep going even against completely impossible odds um and the way the whole episode plays out i love it's just like them kind of interacting with people uh in this woman's apartment and interacting with each other and just like just trying to keep their sanity and it just feels so realistic i love the actors in this one um i love uh the older woman like at one point just loses it and starts like pounding the paintings that the younger woman is painting <laughs> yeah and um man just everything about this episode is uh like right up my alley yeah it's a it's uh it's a great episode no doubt um one of one of the, i think like one of my favorite images from uh twilight zone is um just showing like the the paintings in the apartment just running yeah. it's so yeah, hot yeah. that the paint is running off of the paintings <laughs> um it's just a really cool effect and um i i think an ending that the first time i saw it would uh you know knock me out um i think mm, yeah the, i think the more i see it the like less i care about the ending mm. it's it, it's an it's an okay twist but uh it's not why i think the episode is good yeah um, i agree i do love the contrast in it though like i love that when i'm watching it i kind of feel that shift yeah um yeah just because like yeah i I don't want to give it away exactly but like there's just this sudden cut and i just i don't know i I feel like i can feel that yeah this was the uh go-to episode not anymore so much but when sci-fi does their twilight zone marathons this was Uh, generally the mid the midnight episode yeah um yeah i don't know why they stopped doing that they uh I feel like one year it was just like something super oh. random, like uh, I don't know, sounds and silence or something. Yeah. Um, you know what though? Uh, just a, a brief tangent. Um, I have paid. I've been paying attention to the episodes that Sci-Fi plays whenever I catch them, mm-hmm. and I would swear whoever's programming these is like putting them on in like really complicated orders that like have to do with each other, uh, but that aren't like immediately obvious maybe. Um, And it's always different. Like sometimes it's like, uh, like the theme is kind of similar. Sometimes it's um, 
I forget what I saw recently. It was something crazy. It was like two episodes by the same writer or something. Like it was, it was just matched up somehow. Yeah. Um, anyway. do, do like a, like a sports morning with mighty Casey and last night of a jockey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Yeah. Midnight sun's, uh, you know, I, it would be top 20 for me, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great one. Um, my number six is again another episode that I'm not sure is beloved, but has always captured my interest. It's also, I think, really one of like a couple episodes in the series that has no sci-fi element to it. It's all mm. pra- it's all practical, uh, which is uh, season two, episode twenty-five, "The Silence." And now, Mister Serling, there are all kinds of wagers and all kinds of odds. From the spin of a roulette wheel to a $2 cross the board at a racetrack. But next week on The Twilight Zone, with the aid of Mr. Francho Tone, we tell the story of possibly the strangest bet ever to occur in the annals of chance. Our program is called The Silence. I hope we'll see you then. Uh, annoyed, annoyed by a club member's constant chatter, a man bets him that oh, he cannot okay. remain silent for a year, living in a glass enclosure in the club basement. The, um, so so pretty much it's like this like high high end country club. You got this old guy, I think Tennyson, um, and uh, a younger guy, and the younger guy just never shuts up. And so the old guy bets him, oh, I want to say hundred thousand or a million dollars, something like yeah, that. I think it's hundred thousand. Okay, that he can't you know shut his yapper for a year, <laughs> and because he's got to be honest, uh, they're gonna keep him in this like glass room at the country club. They're gonna provide him what he needs, um, food, what have you, mm. bathroom, but uh, he can't leave it and he can't talk. Um, and it's uh, I just love the stakes of the wager. I also love it's not ruining anything to say that the old man who makes the bet can't pay up on it. Um, and so the pressure of the episode of him realizing that this young guy is going to go for it and, uh, knowing that he can't pay him, um, it's almost better than the twist. Uh, there is a twist, but, um, I, I just love the amount of like tension in this episode and it's, and it's, and it's kind of a goofy one. It's, it's, um, it like doesn't take itself overly serious. Yeah. Um, you know, this is actually based off of a short story that I read in like 10th grade or something. Yeah. Um, I remember reading it. Ah. The bet. But the uh, ending is different. Um, yeah. It, not in, the, that... in that story, it's not talking. Isn't it something else? Um... Um, you might be right. Um, I, I didn't honestly like I don't I didn't wasn't blown oh. away by Oh, it, no, no direct human contact. Ah, okay. the bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't blown away by the ending of either one, really, the episode or the story. But mm. um, I, I'm surprised this is on your top list. I mean, I <laughs> like the episode, um, but it would probably be in my bottom third of episodes, maybe. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's pretty good. There's a lot of good about it. Like the basic concept is great. Um, I feel like this is an episode that's that I really liked the first time I watched it, and then it kind of lost a little bit of its charm uh, in subsequent viewings for me. Yeah. Um, 
but it is a great concept. I love like uh, I love the old guy for some reason. Um, something about him seems convincing to me. Um, and the bet. It's another great setup kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It. The, I don't know why this doesn't rank higher for me. Um, maybe it's. Maybe you just got to talk yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I watched it not too long ago. And it's just. Like I said, some of these were just straight from my gut of like. Yeah. The comfort food type of Twilight Zones. Yeah. And the silence is always one that like. I know nobody's in the boat with me, but, uh, mm. I, you know, I like it. So sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good episode. I mean, definitely worth not one that I would say don't watch to anyone, you know? Yeah. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Pick. Yeah. All right. We're in our top fives. Oh yeah. I mean, th- these are like from here on out, it's like these, each one has literally changed my kind of like, view of reality in some slight way <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I, I mean I, I i know you like caesar and me but uh oh, yeah. <laughs> how'd you know <laughs> Good um okay my number five a game of pool season three uh, episode five yeah uh, just big talk is that it you like to play with fire but you don't like to cook you're not as good as you claim and you know it Deep down, you know that you're second rate. Now, wait a minute! Are you afraid? Look, I've come a long way, boy, and not to be fooled with. I've seen your kind before. A little skill, a knack, a style. But when the heat's on, you fold. That isn't fair. you never seen me play. Maybe I can beat you. It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. Things change. Records get higher. But you'll never get the job done with your mouth. All right, fat boy. Dead or alive, let me tell you something. Maybe you are some kind of a legend, a tin god. You know what you are to me? You're a big balloon waiting for someone to stick a needle in it. Well, I'm the someone and here's the needle. Nah, you're like all the other legends. You live on a reputation. love this episode. Um, it's basically just this guy who has been p- playing pool in this uh, pool house uh, for years. I mean, to the point where he's, like, incredible at it. Yeah. Um, but what it finally comes down to is like he wants to know that he's the best and the only way he can know that is if he plays this guy that's dead Fats Brown Um, and he ends up conjuring Fats in a sense uh, to play him in pool to see who's the best for good and all Um, and there is a twist at the end uh, which is not even like the draw of this episode it's fine um Rod does have a great uh, closing narration on this one. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's really just like watching these two guys play this life or death pool game. And throughout it, they're talking about like what's important in their lives. And, uh, you know, whether this this uh, desire to be the best is really worth all the things that you have to give up to be that um and it's just like done so well you're just in, it's another one of these ones where it's like it's just two actors you're in one room um but it's like the tension is high the whole time uh there's some great shots of uh fats like especially under these bright lights just sweating <laughs> yeah um 
I love how this looks. I love the whole concept. Like just, just like this kind of idea, I guess, is what makes me like, um, I don't know. It just like turns my mind on, I guess. Uh, the first time I saw this, it was like, man, it's like, there's no answers in the episode necessarily. It's just about kind of like thinking about those things for yourself. And, um, man, I, I just love this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it almost like, it almost plays out as if it's supposed to be a play, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, yeah. like uh, something on the theater, but, um, you know, we'd be remiss to do a whole episode of Twilight Zone and not mention I th- who I think is the oh. best reoccurring actor, which is Jack Klugman. Yeah. Um, who plays uh, uh, Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> and I mean, I I uh, glossed over him there, but I think only because he's so good that I think of him as like a character more than a real person or something. Oh, he's he's amazing. Klug, yeah. uh, Klugman, um, you know, he pops up in a bunch of Twilight Zones. I think he, he's yeah. in 12 Angry Men. He, he's just like, I think, one of those like workman like actors that has like been forgotten. But I think if he existed today, it'd be like, oh, man, this guy's like the actor of our generation. Yeah, uh, he, he's just incredible. Um, and then Jonathan Winters, right, plays Fats, yeah. uh, who's yeah. uh, you know, classic and um yeah, I, I love this episode too. It's uh, it's definitively my number fifteen, um, mm. but uh, it's um, it's also one of my favorites. And um, yeah, the dialogue between the two, the stakes of it, and the end is uh, a little goofy, but you know, still good. Still, um, yeah. still uh, puts an exclamation point on it. Yeah, yeah, great pick. Thanks. Um, well. My my number five uh, is a season three episode fourteen mm. episode. I think it's a pretty well liked episode. That would be five characters in search of an exit. Mm, wow. Clown, hobo, ballet dancer, bagpiper, and an army major. A collection of question marks. Five improbable entities stuck together into a pit of darkness. No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. In a moment, we'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, and the wheres. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Because this is the Twilight Zone. Um, it is, uh, you know, so an army major awakens in a small room with no idea of who he is or how he got there. Uh, just that sentence. An <laughs> army major awakens in a small room with no idea of who he is or how he got there. He finds four other people in the same room and they all begin to question how they each arrive there and more importantly, how to escape. Um, so, you know, you got five people trapped in a room. They don't know why they're there, um, and mm-hmm. there's no way out, seemingly, or at least they've tried to get out. Um, and same thing, this is almost like a play. It's just yeah. uh, great banter. Each each character is kind of like a very unique thing. You have a clown, you have a ballet dancer, a hobo, um, a bagpipe player, and the army major. And um, it's one of those ones where whenever it's on, I like get hooked into it again. The twist is like much less important to me than uh, what comes before it. 
and uh, it's mm-hmm. I think probably one of the rare ones that happens in a single location. There, there yeah. is no other location besides one quick shot. Um, yeah, I love, I love this episode. Um, yeah, it was kind of actually brilliant in the way it was made. Like it's on one blank set. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> even even the room they're in, there's like it's nothing. It's a black. Yeah. Yeah. Cylinder. Um. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you put it so high. Uh. I wouldn't put it this high. It is a good episode. Uh. I think the only reason that I would low put it lower for myself is because of the kind of like downer. Um atmosphere of it i just yeah. don't absolutely love um not to say it's bad it's just like a aesthetic choice for me i guess um yeah i but... don't have a, i don't have a lot of jovial picks <laughs> the, yeah, the right. silence in the hunt might be as wacky as it gets <laughs> wow <laughs> the silence um i uh yeah i mean it's a very good runner i remember being like very taken aback by it when i first saw it like just kind of it's got a very unique feel um and it is kind of like uh endlessly interesting like you're wondering about the characters and just um i don't know how you know not to give it away but like who they are and how they live yeah it's it's a very well done episode i think it's like objectively very good yeah it to speak to the point of it being intriguing, I remember once I was showing it to some people and someone walked in the room not knowing what we were watching and they just like stopped in their tracks and they're like, <laughs> what is this? And, uh, you know, Twilight Zone. And they're like, you know, they stood there for a second and they're like, I can't stay, but I really want to watch this. And, uh, I don't know. It's just like yeah. that type of episode where you only need to see like a second of it to be like, wait, like you get the premise real fast and uh, yeah. you want to know the answer. Yeah. Um, actually, if this, like, if I wasn't holding it up next to other Twilight Zone episodes and I saw this as like a different show, I'd be like, I'd (laughs) act the same way. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, number four. Oh man. Number four. Um, I guess this is another classic, uh, kick the can season three, episode 21. Mr. Cox! Mr. Cox! What is it? You'll wake uh, everybody hurry, up. Hurry, you've got to stop them. What are you talking about? They've all gone outside. Well, what? What? Play kick the can. Now, well, come. What will he do when nothing happens? He really believes it will make him young. Charlie's it. <laughs> hurry! Where? In the front lawn. 20, 25, 30, 45, 50, 55, 60, 55, 70, 75, 80, 85. Oh no, what are you doing? Um, you know what? I just had to go with what, like, really moved me. And All this right. is another one of those episodes that everything about it just nails it for me. Um, It takes place in an old folks' home, and there's one guy who just... uh, His kid doesn't want him to come live with him, and uh, he's just kind of depressed living in this place, and he just... um, He's kind of like a kid at heart and just doesn't believe that he 
has to get old. And uh, so he convinces all the other people in the house to come along with him and um, play this game of kick the can. And it's just, God, man, everything about this, like even the old man not um, being taken in by his kid, uh, just the atmosphere of this episode. I love the old folks home and all the old people. I love all of them. They're like, ah, they're just so great for this episode. Um, and it just, it's an episode that feels like magic to me, which is my favorite thing. I think um, it just feels like this fight against another, like fight against an impossible force um, that, uh, Oh, man, I don't know. This it, it's like really sentimental, and I just there's something about that struggle that I love. This like just somebody, um, kind of like dog-headedly fighting against something that's like inevitable. Um, I don't know. This it. it <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. No, yeah, I think you spoke uh, very nicely about it. It's not it's not an episode I have any attachment to, so I don't I don't really want to I don't really want to bring it down. Um, I mean, you I, can, you can say whatever you think about it. No, no, no. I it's because <laughs> I don't have any like ill will towards it either. It's yeah. just like uh, you know, it's um, you'd probably be like the fifties or sixties for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it is a very sweet episode. It's very um. Like its intentions are very pure and, uh, you know, uplifting. Uh, I do love things that are focused on old folks, but um, it just was, it's just, I don't know why it's an episode that like, if it's on, I don't really stop Mm. to watch or care. So I, I, um, but I do think you spoke nicely on it and uh, highlighted what is good about it. Mm. So um, I'll leave it there. Okay. Well, let me just add that the ending is also amazing to me. It's just like a, it's, it's not a like intellectually like mind blowing ending. It's just like a really amazing sentimentally like, uh, um, satisfying ending. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so too. And this is also another one that takes place a lot outside and something for me also about like the idea of these old people um, running around outside in the neighborhood, like, like their kids like that. I don't know how that's hard for me to shake just that image. I love that. Yeah. I probably should note that uh, this is one of the stories that was adapted by uh, Steven Spielberg, no less yeah. for the uh, yeah. 80s movie. Um, what did you make of that? Did you like that rendition? Um, movie i loved that one as well i really love both of these actually uh i can't i'm not sure i could pick which one i like (laughs) no no you don't have to yeah um well that won't be the last uh twilight zone story that was adapted that we'll hear about just a little tease there um (laughs) uh well i think you're going to be like baffled by my number four (laughs) well i've already been pretty surprised by a number of these my it's it's the one that i think is the best mob mentality episode uh it's season three episode can i guess yes the shelter it is the shelter yes Uh. (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
How's it going, Bill? Well, it's going fine, Jerry. We're collecting water, which is what you should be doing. Well, we collected about 30 gallons, and then the water stopped. Did yours stop, too? Jerry, you better get on home and get into your shelter, in, in, into your basement. And I'd board up the windows if I were you. You got any wood body or anything? Bill, we don't have any cellar, remember? Can I bring Martha and the kids over here? Over here? Well, we're, we're sitting ducks over there. Sitting ducks, we don't have any protection at all. Oh, Jerry. You can use our basement. Your basement? What about your shelter? We've got to get into a shelter. It's the only place we can survive. I don't have any room, Jerry. Well, just, just give us a chance. No, 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 no. 48 no. hours, Bill, and then we'll get out. When that door gets closed and locked, it stays closed and locked, Jerry. There'll be radiation and heaven knows what else. None of you wanted Please, to listen. Bill. To build a shelter was to admit to the kind of age we lived in, and none of you had the guts to face that. Yeah. So now you've got to face something far worse, Jerry. No, oh, God. Please, God, protect you, Jerry. It's out of my hands. No. It's simply out of my hands. It's got to be gone. It's got to be gone. Um, this is a, uh, there's a suburban dinner party, and it is interrupted by a bulletin warning of an impending nuclear attack. As the neighbors scramble to prepare themselves, they uh, turn against the one family that has installed a permanent bomb shelter. Um, and just kind of like uh, the silence, this is one of the few few Twilight Zones that actually like just technically could happen. Uh, there's no supernatural element to it. Hmm. Um, and it is, to me, like the most uncomfortable Twilight Zone. And I, you know, I do have a tendency to like things that force you to be a little uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, and this episode like does it so well um it's you know this family has prepared for a nuclear attack you know this is the height of uh, mccarthyism and uh you know the red scare and uh their neighbors you know there's children right like people people want into the bomb shelter because they have children um and so like the stakes are so high because these are friends but also like by not allowing them in your shelter they're going to die um so it's it, like it's all it's a heavy episode with a lot to grapple with um, with I think the writing on Twilight Zone to really like smack you in the face at the end of um, you know what it means to be human and uh, I don't know I, I love it it's um, it's not quite as uh, I don't think it's remembered as finely as like the monsters are doing on Maple Street um, but it's I think like the I don't know it's it's a great one. It's one. Yeah. Um, this probably better illustrates like the difference between our picks than anything else. The difference between monsters are doing on Maple street and this episode. Um, I think it's just like an indication of like the different aesthetics um, that we're leaning toward with these. Um, yeah. I, uh, and I think this is a great episode. Um, it is very tense. Um, it's just like a more, a little bit more serious version of Monsters Are Doing on Maple Street, with like a little bit less of that. Um, yeah, I would, I would say like the ending here doesn't let you off the hook. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's really no twist. Um, yeah, th- no, there's one. no twist. Yeah. Um, um, I should say it was parodied uh, by The Simpsons on Bart's Comet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, this is a very good one. And all the actors are very good, like super yeah. over the top at times yeah. uh, in a good way. Yeah, uh, you, you even get like shades of like these people are friends, but also there's like um, yeah. discrimination under the surface of like, yeah, you're my friend, but I've also always thought this about you. Yeah. And just that, force the people to deal with that. That Yeah, that might be like the best part about this episode to me. 
it's like that they did that yeah that seems like a very um i don't know like sort of a dangerous choice i mean uh especially like when this aired originally uh thinking about people kind of considering that uh aspect of their own lives um seemed even more um or like even less common i guess right um yeah very good one uh very like another pretty uncomfortable one <laughs> I, <laughs> Just, I think there's one... not that that's bad you know yeah, so. no, I hear you. um all right uh well let's get to our top three yeah oh man um my number three these are pretty definitive for me like these came to me right away um my number three is it's a good life season three episode eight and you mustn't think bad thoughts about me either or i'll do the same thing to you <laughs> play some more music it's good what you've done to dad it's real good it was swell it was just swell that was really good uh, i mean this is a classic um it's this is like an episode of tv that to me feels perfect everything about it um the basically there's this kid that has unlimited like godlike powers to change the world in any way he wants just by thinking it and he has separated his uh, remote town in Peaksville, Ohio to somewhere else where they're just totally cut off from the rest of uh, civilization and it's just about the adults in this town trying to like live and navigate this kid's like whims um and they're like, you know, whenever somebody makes him mad, he will send them out to the cornfield, essentially killing them. Um, and uh, the t- this is, to me, the tense episode. Every uh, second of this feels tense. Like, I feel like I don't want to think bad thoughts about anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, you're, you're really holding your breath for the whole duration. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's really the scariest episode of Twilight Zone, even though on its surface, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. Um, it, it feels like the most, uh, threatening. Yeah. Um, and I, I love how this episode looks. Uh, they're out in this like farm type area. Um, and, and you can kind of feel how they've been separated. Like they're running out of, um, food and stuff and like alcohol uh and the finally like the second half of this episode happens at this dinner party for the birthday of one of the adults that lives in this town and he just cracks uh and anthony (laughs) and the rest of the adults are trying to keep anthony from killing him he just Um, wants to listen to a little perry cuomo This has this episode has some of my favorite quotes of the entire season. Oh yeah, or series. Oh yeah. Um, I love. Uh, well, we don't know exactly where the scene will come in. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead, Anthony. You think bad thoughts. <laughs> and one of my favorite all-time like anything lines is uh, the final line of this episode. Um, 
I'm not really giving anything. There's no twist, really. It's just no, like following really. these people. Yeah. And uh, in the end, the dad's looking outside as uh, Anthony snows on the crops, killing the crops, basically. And he just, just like gets, he's <laughs> so angry and then finally like restrains himself. And just the last line of this episode is him saying, it's good that you did that. And tomorrow's <laughs> going to be a real good day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you can just like feel the, like just him breaking saying yeah. that, um, yeah. man. And, oh, and, uh, Cloris Leachman is in this episode. Who's just phenomenal all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, man, love it. Love it. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful episode. Uh, it's it's a good episode. Um, <laughs> it's a real good episode. Um, I, well, I suspect our our top three might be the same. Obviously, mm. uh, we'll we'll find out here. But yeah. I have a strong inclination. My number three, I'd be shocked if it wasn't on your top ten. I almost feel yeah. bad for bringing it up now, but um, it's uh, a season one episode, episode five. It's an episode called Walking Distance. Martin Sloan, age 36, vice president in charge of media. Successful in most things, but not in the one effort that all men try at some time in their lives, trying to go home again. And also, like all men, perhaps there'll be an occasion, maybe a summer night sometime, when he'll look up from what he's doing and listen to the distant music of a calliope, and hear the voices and the laughter of the people and the places of his past. And perhaps across his mind, there'll flit a little errant wish that a man might not have to become old, never outgrow the parks and the merry-go-rounds of his youth. And he'll smile then, too, because he'll know it is just an errant wish, some wisp of memory not too important, really, some laughing ghost that would cross a man's mind that are a part of the Twilight Zone. Uh, well, uh, you okay. know what? Uh, just... Since it's right here, um, that's my number two. Oh, okay, okay, cool. I thought it might be your number one, so now now yeah. I'm really interested. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, a man a man travels back in time to his childhood, uh, arriving just a few miles away from his native town. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like really one where like yeah. a guy like he breaks down his cars at the gas station, he like goes for a walk and ends up in his childhood. Um, and it's, uh, it's really one of the most like sentimental, uh, pieces of television I think ever. Um, like if you were, you at right now, like if you were listening right now, like imagining that you could actually just walk back into your childhood and see yourself as a child and like, you know, see your parents and, um, it's really like the ultimate nostalgia trip. Yeah. It's, It's and it's it's heavy in all the right ways. Like, you know, I think you and I have discussed before that that discussion between um, him as an adult man and his father then, yeah. and his father, you know, with this just great bit of dialogue of like, you know, don't take this away from him, you know, himself. Yeah. Don't don't take this summer away from him by being the psycho you're being right now. Uh, <laughs> I know you've come from a long way from here. A long way and a long time. But I don't understand how or why. Do you? No. But you do know other things, don't you, Martin? 
things that'll happen. Yes, I do. Martin. Yes, Pop. You have to leave here. There's no room. There's no place. Do you understand that? I see that now, but I don't understand. Why not? I guess because we only get one chance. Maybe there's only one summer to every customer. That little boy, the one I know, the one who belongs here, this is his summer, just as it was yours once. Don't make him share it. Um, it's just uh, a beautiful episode, and um, yeah, it does. Re- you're right; it does just hit that like nostalgia button of, you know, there's the carousel and the town pavilion, and um, it's, it's a great, it's a great looking episode. Oh yeah, yeah, it's another one that's spent outside the entire time, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is an episode that still like every time I put it on, if I sit down and pay attention to it, it's I can't help but be moved by it. Um, yeah. It just like sucks me right in. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's hard to even describe like it's it feels like an episode that all the parts like just exceed themselves you know like it goes beyond uh just the pieces of this episode um yeah i love so much about it uh the idea is amazing and just the execution of him uh exploring his childhood town and the people in it like trying to his struggle to like try to figure out himself and like how he could fit into this world and um man it's an amazing episode even just like little details of him like just getting a kick out of how much a like a ice cream sundae costs yeah Yeah. just going back and be like oh yeah like simpler i always think of this the old guy uh up in the back room who owns the ice cream shop yeah and like you know he's thinking about him um it's just one of those details that you might hold on to from being a kid it's not important exactly but it's part of that reality yeah yeah um man it's amazing (laughs) yeah i did i did read that uh the park in the episode is said to be inspired by recreation park which is uh where rod serling grew up in um binghampton new york Uh Uh, and actually um there's a plaque in the park now near the bandstand commemorating the episode Uh Uh just giving credit to and i should say rod serling uh you know spent some of his formative here years here in ohio uh Uh more uh, more south of us um he was in yellow springs but um Hmm. you know still still proud to have him (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i uh i think this might be like the definitive i mean the uh like objective best episode like if i was ignoring my own feelings yeah um it's hard yeah, this, to beat this and this is um i read that this was the first episode where we get bernard herman's music who i think mm. is you know, a pretty yes crucial part of uh you know not just the whole twilight zone but the music in this episode is yeah oh, uh God. i mean if it doesn't bring a tear to your eye i, don't, I just don't know yeah i can <laughs> think of it right now like as right. he's yeah right as he's on the porch talking to his parents and like yeah. his mom especially uh, there's just this moment of like where you hear that music coming in. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, 
It is uh, noted as J.J. Abrams' favorite episode of mm. uh, the series. In fact, I think in uh, Super 8, the movie he made, uh, the operation mm. is called Walking Distance in that movie. Oh. Yeah. So, cool. A little, tri- little trivia. Yeah. Um, well, that was your number two. So yeah. uh, my number two is uh, a season five. Is this our first Whoa. season five? I think so. Season 5, Episode 3, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Um, What are you looking at? You remember what I told you before about seeing something outside? Yes. Julia, there's a man out there. Julia, don't look at me like that. Bob. I am not imagining it. There's a man out there. Not not in your top ten? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, I'm even more intrigued oh. now. What's your number one? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a uh, a man newly recovered from a nervous breakdown becomes convinced that a monster only he sees is damaging uh, the wing of the plane that he's flying in, um, and uh, it's a I think like a top five most known are you uh yeah. i almost said are you afraid of darks uh twilight zones uh <laughs> yeah. this is william shatner as a man suffering a nervous breakdown uh and he he is the only one who could see this what i think we'd describe as like a gremlin on the wing yeah. of the plane just kind of tearing it apart um and of course everybody thinks he's just crazy um this has been made a bunch of times uh including on jordan peele's newest version it's been made in the movie in the 80s um, it's just it showed up a lot. Yeah, you know. Go ahead. Uh, I think, not to steal your thunder here, but I think that my favorite one might be the movie one. John Lithgow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty good. This is this is very close, but. Yeah, I, Lithgow really is playing up like the psycho angle. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I I think the reason I might prefer this one is that Shatner feels. A little grounded, a little longer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Lithgow, like the moment you see him, looks like he's <laughs> like eyes are popping up his head. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is interesting. This episode, and he directed a couple of Twilight Zones. Was uh, this episode was directed by Richard Donner, who's like the guy who directed mm-hmm. um, Superman, The Goonies, yeah. Scrooge, the, Le- the Lethal Weapons. Um, so, you know, kind of crazy that like this guy has had. He's still alive. He, I mean, the, the, guy, the guy who directed Nightmare 20,000 feet is still alive. Um, and uh, Shatner, we should say, is very good. Like, this is, you know, before yes. before anybody knows who he is, uh, yeah. uh, he feels just perfect. And he, he uh, is he only two episodes this nick of time? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, uh, I love him in it. And, uh, yeah. Incredibly paranoid. Like, yeah. You know, just really effectively paranoid. <laughs> yeah, and I think some people make fun of the costume, like the monster. Oh the yeah, costume, sure. Yeah. But the face is still good. Like the, the it is freakish. Yeah, it is freakish. <laughs> the way that I think the black and white here really enhances. Like it, it makes it a little yeah. creepier, yeah. Um, rather than if it was in color. And you know, like something about I think time passing for me on this episode, like um, it. I like it almost because it feels uh, so strange. Like it feels like it couldn't exist like that in any other yeah. time. The look of it—it's uh, right. so odd. Like 
and when it when when you see it come onto the wing, it like floats onto the wing. You know, um, yeah. looks like a human kind of like kneeling down. To <laughs> um, it's just so bizarre uh, that I do kind of love how it looks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a great episode. It's another one where you're like stuck in one place, but. Uh, that's true a uh, man a lot of mine are uh, like the shelters in one place five characters mm. is in one place even the silence is just in the country club uh, yeah uh will the real martian please stand up maybe that's <laughs> maybe maybe that's a thing um well this is um yeah it's a great episode i i i never had like quite the immediate connection with it because i hadn't i didn't see it for quite a while um somehow like somehow it just slipped by me um so when i finally saw it like i had seen so many great ones that it didn't have quite as big of an effect on me okay but but it is a classic and i love the setting too i love being on that plane and the look of looking out the window that feels good too yeah and the ending of this one is like a weirdly it's like a very unique one that's pretty satisfying i think Uh, agreed yeah i do like the it's again not quite a twist but kind of yeah yeah oh boy well um ready yeah i think i know it you Uh, probably do i might not though (laughs) (laughs) does it does it start Um, with the letter n no oh okay go ahead and and surprise me (laughs) do you what were you gonna say I, i thought maybe nick of time Oh, oh, I, I that was very close to my list. Definitely within the top twenty. Okay, like, bare, I was agonizing over not putting it on the list, but okay. I, I mean, I was shocked. Um, walking, walking distance wasn't, but so what is uh, it? <clears throat> my number one is a stop at Willoughby. But tell me about your dream, guard. It's an odd dream, very odd dream. <sighs> Willoughby. It was summer, very warm kids were barefooted when I'm at a fishing pool. It all looked like a courier and Ives painting. Bandstand, bicycles, wagons. I've never seen such serenity. It was the way people must have lived a hundred years ago. Crazy dream. Yeah. You let me know when you wake up, huh, God? No, wait a minute, Janie. Please, Janie. You know what the trouble with you is, God? You were just born too late. Because, you know, you're the kind of a guy that could be satisfied with a summer afternoon or or an ice wagon being drawn by a horse. So it's my mistake, pal. My error. My miserable, tragic error to get married to a man whose big dream in life is to be Huckleberry Finn. one episode 30 yeah of course uh this is like a basically this executive guy is getting all this pressure from work and his wife who's like not sympathetic to his situation at all and he as he's on the train uh going home he falls asleep and dreams of this like uh paradise kind of called willoughby where (laughs) Uh, it's in the past and everybody's kind of just like 
meandering a little bit. Things are just slower down, more slowed down. Um, and it's kind of like his just dream place. And then he goes back to this real world uh, drudgery. Um, and it's kind of just hi about him, like, thinking about this place and, like, about getting away from his real life. And um, there's a kind of a twist ending, which um, I don't even, like, think about, really. The very end. Like, the twist is, like, not even really a twist. It's just kind of tacked on, it feels like. But everything else about the episode, I just love. Like, I feel like more sympathetic to this character, I guess, than almost any other one. Like, I, I just really feel his plight. Um, and uh, I don't know, there's something, like, so magical about this episode to me. This idea of escaping in this dream world um, that just, like clicks i don't know something in me just clicks with this idea um and everybody in it is so good like his boss screaming at him and his wife who just doesn't care what his deal is uh, oh man i just love it yeah um it's uh you know this is one of the episodes that uh the more i watch it the more i like it mm. in fact i think it's an episode that took me a very long time to see even though I had the DVD somehow, it just felt like yeah. I always missed this episode because the first time I really remember processing it was like five or six years ago, oh. um, which, you know, in the scope of my life is pretty late to not see a Twilight Zone since I started. Yeah. Early. But, um, <laughs> and then I've seen it maybe two or three times since. And every time mm. I'm like, boy, this is a great episode. Like just that train setting, yeah, uh, that, that feeling of uncertainty of like, you know, is he crazy or yeah. is he sane? And um, yeah, the other thing that stands out to me is that isn't his name um, Gart? G A R T? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gart. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> Gart. Oh yeah. Um, I I feel like this is like kind of a um, a what's the word like a sister episode to Walking Distance where they're like yeah they're very similar. Um, but, but for me personally, this one hits a little closer to home, I guess, just slightly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Even as a, it's weird. Cause like, even as a kid, I felt like some connection to this episode. Um, even though it <laughs> in many ways feels like a older person episode. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's, a. Uh... I think that's a good pick yeah um well uh i can't believe we haven't talked about my number one yet uh mr beavis wow no no <laughs> oh okay okay <laughs> I, I was thinking um, yeah. what would really knock him out of his <laughs> it was just crazy enough to be believable <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that episode. It's not my Ferguson, but boy, that's an annoying episode. Oh, uh, really? I like it. I, I think that's <laughs> that's one thing though. Is I like those ones that are like ultra goofy that you don't seem to like quite as much. Yeah, um, yeah, like Mighty Casey or you know. yeah, Mister Dingle. They're 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 like yeah. yeah, they're their own breed of Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think Rod Rod was as funny as he thought he was, but. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> uh, no, we've talked about my number one. It's season three, episode five. It's a good life.
It's snowing outside. Anthony, are you making it snow? Yes, I'm making it snow. Why, that'll ruin half the crops. You know that, don't you? Half of the crops, that's what that'll... Dad. But it's good that you're making it snow, Anthony. It's real good. And tomorrow, tomorrow's gonna be a real good day. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I Like I mentioned, I, I think it's uh, the... Without... You know, Anthony is the monster, but there's no real monster that, you know, in the traditional sense. And it's still terrifying. Yeah. Um, start to finish, you're just kind of holding your breath, watching it. Um, like you mentioned, the acting really throughout. The dad is great. The mom is great. Uh, yeah. Everybody, like the everybody in town, the mailman. Um, and yeah, then, the guy freaking out. Yeah. Um, and you're scared like really, by... there's there's one point where he's screaming and there's like a dribble of spit uh coming off of his mouth it's just like <laughs> who's committing this hard you know? yeah and you and you're scared by their reactions like you know they, they yeah. mentioned like a three-headed dog right and you don't yeah. actually ever see the dog but the people are so horrified that you just <laughs> might as well have experienced it um it's uh it, you know it's set in ohio which is great um yeah. <laughs> no it's and and then like even like my my brain does a lot of the filling in because right the idea is that anthony has pretty much wiped the peaksville is the only place left well um, the way they word it is like maybe it's the old like maybe he removed peaksville from the world or maybe he completely erased the rest of the world like we're not sure right but that, but even like that thought of like yeah what if this is it like what if it's just this <laughs> Podunk yeah, town yeah. in Ohio, where the, this one kid controls everything, yeah, um, is just like a fascinating thought, like a fun brain exercise, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that that I think that last fifteen minutes where they're just in the parlor yeah. uh, at the birthday party is, I think, I think it's the finest like representation of what Twilight Zone is. Mm. Like, if someone asked me what Twilight Zone should I watch. I think I would, it's my favorite, mm, bias, okay. but I think I would tell people it's a good life because it's, um, it's, it's a fun watch. It's an easy watch. It's, it's, That's, it's, it's definitely a good one to start out with, uh, and gives you the idea of what you're in for, um, with other episodes of Twilight Zone. Um, also, uh, in this episode, like the idea of them thinking about killing him, yeah. And like that's a pretty intense yeah. subject. Right. Killing a <laughs> um, child. But this child yeah. a monster. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like that struggle's crazy too. Um And would you do it? If you're man. trapped in this house with Anthony, do you hit him over the head <sighs> with the face? I don't know, man. Part of the problem is like what if you do kill him and then you're just stuck there? Like, food's still gonna run out, and, yeah. you know, like, what if he's the only thing keeping this place real, you know? It still might be worth it, but, you know. Yeah, um, I, I still, um, I still think that, like, maybe if they kill him, they all go away. It could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I love, it's, it's, like, kind of subtle, even, the way that they're all, uh, the way that everybody throughout this episode is so nervous 
And like whenever they're even like even if Anthony's not around, they're nervous around each other, like being careful what to say and what to think. It's just man, it's so good. Um and I think this is the one that I definitively like this episode better than the movie one. Oh, and I like the movie one, yeah, but yeah. this is like you can't beat this. Yeah, did Joe Dante do the movie version? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. got a very, very like Joe Dante. Feel. I like Joe Dante a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little like too stylish for what yeah. the story is. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it, it kind of loses like what makes this episode so incredible. Right, like quaint country town versus almost like a Tim Burton yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. style. Um, yeah, but it's a uh, oh, you know, a little trivia fact here. You want to guess how many times in this episode they say the word "good"? Oh man, uh, twenty-seven, uh, forty-six times. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I love watching them so much. Like even now, I've seen it a million times, but I still love watching how nervous they are. Just like, yeah, and thinking about like yourself in that situation, like how you would act, and like how to make it so that you're not getting yeah. yourself killed yeah but i can't you know i can't believe it would be this long until someone would have that kind of meltdown like i think that would happen a lot yeah but... yeah that's that's frustrating <laughs> um, man great I mean, yeah well, do you want to recap your list real fast what was uh, it sure uh to serve man number 10 number nine time enough at last number eight the monsters are due on maple street number seven the hunt Number six, The Midnight Sun. Number five, A Game of Pool. Number four, Kick the Can. Number three, It's a Good Life. Number two, Walking Distance. Number one, A Stop at Willoughby. Yeah, love it. Um, my number 10 is The Hunt. Number nine is Shadow Play. Eight is Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up. Seven is The Obsolete Man. Six is The Silence. Five is Five Characters in Search of an Exit. Four is The Shelter, three is Walking Distance, two is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, and number one is A Good Life, which means uh, It's a Good Life, Walking Distance, and The Hunt are the three we agree on. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's some good, uh, we had some good ones in there that I really wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do some close calls? Yeah. Um, well, my definitive close call, we briefly mentioned Nothing in the Dark, season three, episode oh, 16. Yeah. I haven't got a telephone. Even if I could call a doctor somehow, I couldn't take a chance and let him in. He might be him. Him? Mr. Death. Is this a person? Like you or me? I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. People die all over the world. Now, how could one man be in all those places at once? I don't know. But if you knew what he looked like, you could avoid him. Because his face is always different. I couldn't be sure. How about when you go out? Now, couldn't he touch you then if he wanted to? I never go out. How can you live like this? But if I don't live like this, I won't live at all. There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, man. I don't think that it really, like, in terms of episodes that deal with death, I don't think it gets better than this one. Um, 
it's like, I don't know if we went over it, but it's uh, this old lady living in this like run down uh, apartment building waiting for the building to get torn down. Basically, people are trying to kick her out. And uh, finally, she lets this guy in. She's like afraid that death is coming for her. Um, and finally, she lets this young guy in and um, helps him recover and stuff. And um, man, I don't want to give away the ending because it's just so good if you haven't seen it. But yeah. um, it's man, it's like this is a perfect to me. This is a perfect mix of serious and like realistic with um, like a hopeful note. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, no, um, yeah, definitely. like it feels like it's you're afraid with this woman um, and feeling for her at the same time. Um, but like, there's this part of the story that's very uplifting and uh, just, it's another like magical moment to me in this series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the man at the door has been shot, right? So there's like a yeah. little urgency yeah. to, um, you know, it's not just as if she's letting in a stranger, but someone who needs help. So she has to balance yeah. that, that balance, that um, decision of, you know, yeah. this could be someone coming to kill me at the same time the person could be dying. Yeah. Um, and, and the, you know, there's really only two, there's three people, I think, or I don't know. Mm. There's really only two people up in this episode. Um, Robert Redford is the man she lets in. Uh. And, you know, he's just, uh, he's, he's awesome in it. And he's, you know, a smoke machine. Um, <laughs> um, uh, also, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, you go. Uh, and then I think the actress's name is, uh, Gladys mm. Cooper. Uh, she's uh, yeah. super great. Um, yes. I mean, I like, love her. You know, um, yeah. she's in at least one other episode, Twilight Zone episode, uh, which I also love, um, uh, long distance call. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just another great, it, totally different episode. But I, this lady's great. Yeah. Yes, I think she's. Um, I think she's also on the passage on the Lady Inn. Ah, yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you got any other close calls? I don't want to. Uh, well, I mean, I got a whole <laughs> list of them, but that's like my definitive one. You know? All right. All right. Yeah, my my the one I was playing with with Shadow Play is I, I guess it would be our only season four episode, uh, which is miniature. Hi. A little early today, aren't you? Yes. I guess you must get a real kick out of some of these displays. Oh yes, I. I... This one here in particular. What do you see, Mister? Oh, nothing. A man doesn't stand for four or five hours at a stretch looking at nothing. Well, I'm not breaking any rules, am I? No. Then uh, leave me alone, please. All right. Um, it's a. It's uh, starring. Um, what's his name? Um, why am I blanking? Robert Duvall. Yeah, thank you, Robert Duvall. Uh, where he play he plays just just this seemingly very eccentric uh, gentleman who's maybe like um, just not grown up all the way, and uh, he uh, becomes entranced by this uh, miniature dollhouse uh, at a museum and like develops a relationship 
with the miniatures inside this house, this dollhouse, and um, becomes obsessed, almost like, you know, believes he's created this romantic con connection to this tiny little doll, this figurine. And um, it's, uh, it's like one of the more, I don't know how, how would you describe miniature. It's it's um, it, Ooh, again it, maybe uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. It has like a very unique feel, even among Twilight Zone episodes. I think, yeah. um, where it's like you, like the main character is really sympathetic, but you also like you're rooting for him, but like things just aren't going his way. Um, and it feels it feels very real, like a very real sensitive person um, and like how he might see the world differently and how hard it is for him to live in this like in this louder, uh, more crass world, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is actually one of my mom's favorite episodes. Uh, and I do. There is something about it that's like very moving and uh, strange. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, thinking about this story, it's like amazing that even on Twilight Zone that it got made. Really. <laughs> yeah, like, it's wow. so. Yeah, it's pretty deranged. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's it aesthetically, it's one that's always just stuck with me, and I think Duvall mm -hmm. is really good in it as just yeah. kind of this kind of um, off center guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. <sighs> Uh, well, I got a bunch here, but I'm, you know, I feel good just sticking with a definitive. I'll go miniature. Okay, <laughs> okay nice. <laughs> uh, do you want to do Ferguson? Sure. Um, man, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of great episodes. There are also quite a few stinkers, really. There's, I mean, there's, there's bound to be. Yeah, there's a good amount of bad ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, to the point where it was just sort of tough for me to pick a definitive worst. Yeah. Uh, you can't Because it was like, you know, I came up with like maybe a dozen that I'm just kind of like, I don't care about these episodes. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, my definitive Ferguson <laughs> is season five, episode 21, Spur of the Moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> you familiar with this one? I'm familiar with it, yeah. <laughs> I, it, didn't, it, it, it honestly actually didn't occur to me. I, it's not good, but it's, uh, uh, you know, it didn't occur to me. This is um, an episode that, like, I, ha I didn't see for quite a while after I started watching the show, but when I did, I was just like, nothing about this works. Um, <laughs> it, it's like, it's about this woman who is horseback riding and suddenly she gets uh, confronted by an evil, like, you know, dark version of herself who's just screaming at her and chasing her down. <laughs> You don't so think she she, gets, you don't think she's a little creepy, like in all the all black on the horse? I just, I, just, <laughs> I just remember watching this episode for the first time, thinking, "What the hell is happening? Like, what? You know, I just couldn't make sense of it at all." Um, sure. And meanwhile, at home, she's like, um, 
li- she, there's like a, a a flashback to her trying to decide who to marry between these two guys. One's her like this guy that she's in love with, and the other's a guy that um is like really wealthy and like well off. Um, and her parents want her to marry the wealthy guy, and she wants to marry this guy that she loves. Um, and I think I'm just going to give this one away because I, it's yeah, not even worth it. it really. If anybody, um, if anybody's even listening at this point, good. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the end, uh, it turns out that like, this was her from the future. This woman in black chasing herself down to try to tell her younger self not to marry the guy that she was in love with because he turns out to be a you know abusive jerk and instead to marry the rich guy that her parents want her to marry hmm. so it's like just everything about it is backward it feels like like it just feels kind of arbitrary like oh it turned out the guy that she was in love with was the wrong guy for her but why is she screaming at herself instead of just telling herself <laughs> like hey don't, yeah, don't marry that, that guy like <laughs> yeah. and then it just like how it turns out with the guy becoming this abusive guy it just feels like it just feels like an arbitrary decision like you know it doesn't have any like purpose or like i don't know just yeah. feels kind of random like nothing about this episode to me feels good it's one of these kind of like um almost i don't know if it's southern but it's like a gothic almost episode yeah for uh, sure. yeah southern gothic it, yeah yeah that just like doesn't work on any level to me but maybe it maybe it's just because i i'm not like as versed in that um world or something but ugh, this episode yeah um it is it is not good it just like i don't know is the worst i mean there's <laughs> There, there is so many bad episodes. Of, uh, There's just nothing uh, redeeming about this one to me, I guess. You know, just nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess my definitive and boy did. I mean, it was a it was a long list. There was like a lot that immediately came to mind as bad. Um, but yeah, my definitive yeah. one is season five, episode 14. And that is an episode called You Drive. Stay down there working. If you get tired, you come on home. All right, Bill. All right, I will. Well, aren't you going to drive? Well, I thought I would take the bus. Honey. Why? Well, I don't trust that car. <laughs> Good pick. Good pick. Uh, after after being in, after being involved in a hit and run accident, which resulted in killing a child, Mister Oliver Pope is haunted by his car. Um, and, uh, you know, car haunting stuff is very hard to do well. And, uh, this one doesn't do it well. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's like, you know, besides the story just being atrociously tragic, it's done almost still in a way where they're like, kind of like a wink and a nod. Like, isn't this kind of cute? Kind of like, uh, nothing about it works. It's tonally like demented and the car effect is, uh, <laughs> it just seems bad, you know. Like, like starts a shot. Aren't there a couple shots of like from the car's perspective? Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. as if the car's chasing. Like, yeah. 
Um, this seemed like an episode that like they had to turn in an episode and they were just behind. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a couple in season five where it just seems like they've run out of steam. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you drive is always just one I think about where it's like not only it's not so bad that it's well, it is kind of funny that I don't know. It, it's very bad. I think it's very bad. Yeah. I, I, I was very close also with um, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Cavender is coming. Uh, oh, I, I don't yeah. love that episode. Um, there's a whole bunch. I, you really not worth getting into it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, season five and season four are chock full of some like very mediocre to bad episodes. Yeah, I uh, the name of it is even like weird. You drive. It's just <laughs> very strange. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just call it uh, evil car or something. <laughs> um. My uh, like next closest one was "Come Wander with Me," um, which oh, I mentioned. God, briefly. what a stinker! Another, <laughs> another season five. Yeah, uh, like the song stinks. You based the whole episode around it. Yes, don't yes. want to hear it again. Yes. <laughs> I was shocked to find out that that's a real folk song. Oh wow! I was like, how could this be? <laughs> you know, it's just garbage. Yeah, they're um, they're they're running out of steam. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised just to note um, that my entire list was season one and three. There wasn't anything wow, else. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, what I'm not th- counting the Ferguson, but one and three only. Yeah, I so, didn't do it on purpose. It just can it, so can I tell you something super crazy I noticed about my list as we were doing yeah. it? <laughs> there, so I guess there was a stretch of Twilight Zone that I would be absolutely bonkers for. Because, uh, let's see here. The Silence was season two, episode 25. The Sh- Shadow Play was episode, um, season two, episode 26. Um, Real Martian is season two, episode 28. And Obsolete Man is season two, episode 29. Wow. So on my top 10, I have season two, 25, 26, 28, 29. Man. That's crazy, especially since I didn't even touch on season two. Um, now I need to look up yeah. what season two, episode twenty-seven is like. What? What? Yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. in there that I didn't like? Uh, oh, the mind and the matter, which is not a bad oh. episode. But uh, uh, wait a minute, what is the mind and the matter? Uh, that's the one where the guy can like use his brain to like. Wait, hold on. Using the power of mind over matter, Archibald remakes the world into his own specifications. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a pretty bogus one. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's bad. okay, but um, <laughs> I also just want to say, uh, it's very weird to me that neither of us picked for Ferguson, um, a season four episode or a videotape episode. I thought for sure it would be one of those, but <sighs> yeah. Um, see, you know, I have a slight affection towards season four because I just think they're like it's a it's a they're dealt a kind of a weird card and honestly some of them like if they were 28 minutes would be amazing but yes that extra 20 minutes kills it Um, they yeah looking over them they didn't disgust me as much as i had anticipated yeah um yeah well uh we did post on uh instagram to ask people what their favorite twilight zone episode is so do you want to you want to hear some of what uh, people are into um might not have everybody here but i'll try to hit as many as i can uh our our buddy and friend artist uh brett wilson said his favorite is time enough at last Mm, yes um 
Big Big Boss Raouz eighty five says uh, he's always liked the season four episode, the new exhibit. Oh man, I mean, I think that's the sing the quintessential like creepy episode of the series. Yeah, it's the one that's like straight up going for horror. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Lewis uh, Valise eighty two says either he lives or the obsolete man. Oh. Yeah, good yep. ones. Oh, he lives. I like yeah. that one too. Another Thanks. season four. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. that's a uh, who is that? The, uh, Anthony. Oh man, um, it's um, Anthony Hopper. Uh, Hopkins. Uh, oh, um, oh, oh, Hopper. No, you're right. Dennis oh, Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Thank <laughs> you, Dennis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Pass forward. Uh, pass forward. Cast says the monsters are due a Maple Street. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, T Mason or Tara says uh, mirror image. Ah, our, we didn't talk about. Yeah, our buddy Bob uh, uh, Stinner, uh, he says kick the can. Mm. Um, Zachary Jackson Brown, who uh, we had earlier on this month, uh, he uh, said um, living doll talking Tina. Ah, yeah, I can't believe that didn't come up. Yeah, that is a classic. Yeah. Um, and then he also said monsters are due on Maple Street. So two oh, votes for nice. that one. Um, our our one of our best pals, Candace, who's been on the podcast, uh, she said walking distance. Uh, that... oh, and she said nick Great. of time. Nick of time too. Oh, yeah, nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't talk that much about that one, but like it's another William Shatner super paranoid episode. Yep. You know? And in Ohio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Shay is awesome, says number 12 looks just like you in Midnight Sun. Mm. Nice. Uh, Karana Matata 08 says 22, Eye of the Beholder, The After Hours. Uh, she said this is like picking between children. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, um, this is some good ones, though. Three episodes we didn't talk about. Probably most, imp- uh, the, the probably the one that people are maybe most shocked about would be Eye of the Beholder, not making either of yeah. our lists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a classic. Uh, yeah, and it's—I I think it's like, no, it's amazing. Even after you've seen it, I mean, I do think it um, suffers a little bit from knowing the twist uh, because then yeah, you yeah. can't stop paying attention to how much nobody's showing their face. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, but uh, uh, also, I just wanted to mention um, twenty-two. Not one of my favorites. That's a videotape one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's room room for one more room, room for one more. Yeah, um, it's okay. I like it. The after hours is pretty solid too. Um, wait, what's after hours? That's with um, like the mannequins. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Vincenzo, our our bud here, uh, he says a uh, nightmare at twenty thousand feet, mm. as does yeah. the tape store. So a couple of votes nice. there. Uh, Jordan Weekles says The Hitchhiker, another classic. Ooh, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but that's a great one. Going my way. <laughs> uh, Double J3720 says, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? Nice. Uh, Jordan Weekles also says, I the Beholder. Uh, our buddy Justin says, The Dummy and Living Doll, both super creepy. Ah, he likes wow. those possessed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, the dummy's always been a one that I've been kind of conflicted on. Like, like it in premise, don't always love the execution. You know what? I never really cared for it until like literally the last year or two, and suddenly 
I don't know what it is. Like I'm coming around. I just, uh, I like the guy kind of freaking out and I love the dummy laughing as he's like running away. Yeah. Um, it's really freakish. <laughs> yeah. So if it's between the dummy and Caesar and me, which one are we going with? Are you serious? Uh, <laughs> dummy, dummy, come on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you know, one of the funniest. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out here. So uh, the podcast that I've, I've referenced it a bunch that got me like thinking maybe we should do one was uh, an episode. A twi- uh, excuse me, a Twilight Zone podcast called The Twilight Pone. And they're two buddies and uh, they're very, very funny and they just do episode reviews. Um, But their episode review of Caesar and me like had me laughing harder than than just about anything. Uh, So if you even if you don't like Twilight Zone, (laughs) check out the Twilight Pone episode Caesar and me. Uh, It's just so damn funny. Um, Justin Carladio says uh, Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Um, and, uh, Jesse McKee says a nice place to visit the idea that it could be in the bad place and not even know it is scary. Yes. I, it didn't make my top, but like it was within the top 30, maybe, uh, something about that episode. It's a classic twist. Yeah. So, uh, just a couple people who, uh, mentioned it. Sorry if we, uh, we missed you there, but, uh, a bunch of great episodes. Seems like Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, Eye of the Beholder, um, what else came up there? Walking Distance. Real Martian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, fun to talk about Twilight Zone. Fun to take a little Nick Nick break. Uh, still spooky. Still Podtober worthy. (laughs) Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) I just can't believe, like all this time later i've seen all these episodes a million times and i still love watching them and i still feel like they're some of the best storytelling at least that's ever been on tv um agreed it's just amazing you know and these like and the follow-up series the movie i think has been the most successful attempt um i still love the movie uh but um I don't know. They just can't quite seem to quite capture that same magic. I don't know what it is. Well, I think I think as you mentioned, um, I think not being able to rely on visual effects or yeah, yeah. Uh, being less preoccupied with, um, like, I don't know, like you know what I mean, like the more flashy elements. It was it was really in the dialogue. It was in the writing. Yes. Yeah. Um, the writing was just so strong. Yeah. I, you know, one of my complaints about the new series is that it seems like they're like trying too hard at the end. You know what I mean? Like they're trying yeah. to put a twist on everything. And I think, um, just like with a modern audience, you're not going to like out twist or shock anybody. And yeah. so like, it seems like the wrong part to be worrying about. Like you need to worry more about the actual story and less about the ending. Agreed. Um, my feeling about this new series was like the only way to make the twist endings work now is to make them like almost parody twist endings mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just so over the top that um you know like you couldn't guess them but you know like almost tongue-in-cheek a little bit uh yeah. but i just you know I don't want to, like, I, I think the second season of this new Twilight Zone has been a lot stronger than the first. It has, yeah. But, uh, but it's still not quite there. I don't no. Know. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, well, that was fun. 
Uh, yeah, what are sure. we doing for our next Podtober episode? Next time we're talking, are you afraid of the dark? The tale of the lonely ghost versus the tale of the frozen ghost. It's a, it's a ghost off. <laughs> <laughs> Very spooky. Okay. Two, a two iconic ghosts. I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I believe, you know, things, things can change. We're, we're recording these uh, pre-October, but uh, you know, I think Max will be our judge and Max has always been a bunch of fun on the verses. Yeah. Um, sure, so, uh, you know, take your sides. Uh, frozen ghost first lonely ghost it was bound to happen here it is uh, for a podtober spectacular uh, if you want to get a hold of us in the meantime uh, you can find us on twitter at boc podcast instagram at orange couch podcast um, you can email us at orange couch podcast at gmail.com uh, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a review. That's really helpful. If you know anybody who really likes Twilight Zone but doesn't like 90s Nick, you can tell them that episode 175 is the one episode of this uh, series that they should listen to. Um, but uh, very fun to talk about. Yeah, great one. Um, well, we'll see you guys next time on The Big Orange Couch. Zone has been brought to you by Push Button Lilt, the foam home permanent for neat and easy curler permanents and neat and easy roller permanents too. Lilt. Twilight Zone has been brought to you by the American Tobacco Company on behalf of Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. Twilight Zone. Brought to you by Pretty Perm, the new color conditioning permanent wave. New Micron Oral Antiseptic from Johnson & Johnson. Twilight Zone. Brought to you by 612 Insect Repellent. Keeps bugs from biting. Johnson & Johnson, makers of Band-Aid shear strips. And new U.S. Royal Tires, engineered to keep your spare in the trunk. Here's something that doesn't require any imagination. It's Oasis. If you just took this puff, you'd agree. It's the softest taste of all. Before we meet again, try Oasis for the softest taste of all.